This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You sit at a desk. They sit at a desk. You have sales reports. They have book reports. You need supplies. They need supplies. Business is a lot like school. That's why your small business should take advantage of back-to-school deals at Staples. Now, Staples 1-inch 3-ring binders are $1.92. One-subject notebooks are just 25 cents, and two-pocket poly folders are just 35 cents each. Make back-to-school your business at Staples. In-store only while supplies last. Offer ends 9 limit 30. Blog Talk Radio. Hey guys, welcome back to the Finsider Podcast. It's Thursday night and it's a live show tonight. Uh, give us a minute on some technical difficulties on getting the thread up on the website. It'll be there shortly, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk some good Dolphins football. want to go ahead and welcome James, the producer, into the show. James, how are you tonight? Good. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing well, thanks. Um, not a lot of Dolphins stuff going on this week. Um, got some uh, semi-Dolphins-related stuff going on. Um, opening discussion, I guess. Andrew Luck signed his contract today, which means that he and RG3 have both signed contracts, meaning that the top two draft picks have signed while numbers 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8 are still holding. Um, 
Obviously, Ryan Tannehill is our concern in this case. Um, he is the third quarterback, so now that the top two have signed, he should be the next quarterback to sign. But I, I personally am not at all concerned about this. I think that we have a week to go. This is the NFL. If there's not a deadline imminent, nothing happens. So we have a week. Tannehill will get signed. So will Michael Egnew and um, Olivier Vernon, who both still haven't signed. So I don't think it's really that much of a concern, but I know it is concerning some fans out there. What are you thinking, James? I think they're just—it's just his agent and our front office going back and forth over what percentage of the nineteen or twenty million or whatever he gets over four years. What percentage of that is guaranteed? That's that's the only thing that's holding it up. Yeah, I mean, I, uh... that. Go on. You know, that's that's what was going on with RG three, and eventually the Redskins said, "Fine, we'll just we'll just guarantee the whole damn thing. It's only twenty one million dollars." And you know, Tannehill's probably pushing for, I'd guess, you know, sixty or seventy percent of his to be guaranteed. And you know, he's starting out with probably a much smaller, not much smaller, but he's probably in the, I don't know what, seventeen, eighteen million dollar year range. I'm not sure what that what that uh, slot is, you know, slotted at money wise, but. He's yeah, probably it's, wanting. It's somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, he's probably wanting a better, better than half of that guarantee. I mean, that, that's what I. You know. Right. You know. I, I think. Uh, yeah, what they what they had said on uh, RG 3s um, contract negotiations was that he the it came down to. The Ra- the Raiders, what am I saying? The Redskins wanted to, if he, they cut him and he goes and signs somewhere else, they get to subtract whatever his um, salary from that new team is out of the guaranteed money they owe him. And RG3 and his people went, no, if we go to a new team, we get all new money. You don't get to play that game. So eventually the Redskins gave in and, yeah, RG3 signed. And I'm sure it's something similar with Andrew Luck, and they finally got it done. And now uh, we just have to wait on RT-17, which I'm going to keep calling him until it catches on. Uh, (laughs) We'll get uh, Tannehill signed. But um, two real quick admin notes. First is the Finsider Podcast live thread is up on the site now. If you guys want to join us in there, you can talk to us. You can also talk to us. Via Twitter, just use the hashtag Finsider. That way uh, I can see it quickly and easily. You can also give us a call, obviously, at 347-326-9461. We'll happily talk anything Dolphins you want to talk about. And you can also join us over on Blog Talk Radio. If you go to the show, we have the chat room open there as well. So there's lots of ways to get your um, opinions and your thoughts into the show. And the second admin note is, of course, we'd like to welcome Duke into the show. Duke, how are you tonight? Pretty good. Howdy, y'all. Howdy, y'all. <laughs> but uh, What are you thinking on uh, Tannehill? You worried about his contract situation, or uh, you think it'll get done? I think it'll get done. I think once... I think... Everyone's kind of waiting on the uh, Andrew Luck deal to go through to kind of see kind of a baseline to 
to go from. So I think the rest of the dominoes will start falling pretty quickly now. Yeah, I think I think uh, it's just like back when Jake Long was the number one overall pick. Everybody waited to see what Jake got, and then they started falling right in line. And we're still the same here. Granted, the salaries are just about are just about finished, and everybody knows what salary they're going to get. But the guaranteed money and all those extra little things, those will all be decided by what Andrew Luck gets. So now the top two are signed, and we'll see the rest come in right after him. And I think the uh, for Tannehill, I think it's probably more important than the other two quarterbacks to get their con- to get his contract done. Because he is so so far buried on the depth chart. So if he wants to have a chance to earn that starting job, he needs to be in camp day one, not worrying about contract stuff and come in late. Or he's already a little bit behind the eight ball. That definitely buries him there if he comes in a week late or something like that. Yeah, I, exactly. He He has to get in because he needs the extra reps. He is in the middle of a fight for a starting position, whereas Andrew Luck and RG3 are handed it. And uh, I forgot my third point. But for those first two, he needs that. (laughs) He can't afford to uh, hold out. He needs to get in there. And uh, you mentioned Jake Long, and I thought about this today. I was reading uh, reading some of the posts on the site, and I was reading the – one post where they were it was about the discussion between uh, should we have taken Jake Long or Matt Ryan, and I think everyone's kind of discussed this till it's just about every point's been covered. And I thought of one kind of a new one this week, and it kind of goes back to what happened at the draft when we drafted Jonathan Martin. I think it was Omar or someone else said that uh, you know with Long wanting all this money. They may not re-sign him next year. They may use Martin as his replacement. If you throw that into the equation, if if you draft a guy first overall, first of all, to draft a guy first overall, you have to think that the player is good enough to be first overall and that his position is worth drafting first overall. You don't draft a kicker first overall. So you have to think this guy is that important. You don't draft a kicker in the third round either. Yeah. And... uh, Good job, Sorry, uh, good good job, Jaguars. <laughs> but if you if you take a guy that high, the only reason you get rid of him later at the end of his rookie contract is if he's not any good. You know, the Vernon Golstons of the world, the Jamarcus Russells, you let them go because they're not any good. You don't let a four time Pro Bowl, probably five time Pro Bowl, all pro left tackle hit the market. So if the Dolphins actually do that, if they let him walk in free agency, I think that answers the question that they took the wrong guy because you just don't do that. If if you want to keep – if you think you chose the right guy and based on their performance, I think we got the better player, then you have to, you have to keep him. If you let him walk, it's kind of you're like, well, you had a chance at the quarterback and you missed it, and then the guy you took, you let him go. I think, uh, yeah, exactly. Jake Long is going to be an interesting discussion all year, I think. Um, there are obviously people who 100% think he needs to go. He costs too much. Let him walk. And then there are others that are on the side of, no, you have a franchise left tackle 
probably the greatest in the game, if not one of the top two or three um, future Hall of Fame talent right there. Why would you let that walk away? Um, also goes back to the same argument that Keith highlighted on uh, on the site this morning of Tannehill versus Ryan. Mm-hmm. And should should I'm sorry, not Tannehill. What did I say? Long and Ryan. Should the Dolphins have taken Matt Ryan with that first overall pick instead of Jake Long? Um, I personally am absolutely in love with the pick of Long. If you told me that the Dolphins had a shot at Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees or somebody like that in that spot, and they passed to get Jake Long, maybe I'd say, okay, yeah, we should have made that pick. But Matt Ryan hasn't done anything to prove to me that he should have been the number one overall pick. He's led his team to the playoffs. Great. But, I mean, it's obviously the quarterback play that we're missing that he's showing, hey, I'm a decent quarterback. But if we're going to use the fact that he can lead his team to the playoffs, Mark Sanchez has led his team to the AFC Championship in two out of three years that kind of makes him look even better than Matt Ryan, right? Don't want Mark Sanchez. I don't really want Matt Ryan. Yeah, and I think the whole discussion kind of comes at – it kind of starts at two fronts. Those who are the – a lot of the ones who are the pro-Jake Long pick are a lot are the – we picked a better player, you know. And in terms of talent at their position, I think we did. Uh, Matt Ryan's not one of the top – players at his position, Jake Long is top two at his position. The other side of the argument comes from, I think, more of a philosophical standpoint is you, when you have a, need a quarterback or a left tackle, which do you pick? And so it, it's kind of, you know, there's not, you can't really argue it that way in the sense is that philosophically you'd want to take the quarterback. In terms of the better player, well, you know, we got the better player, so my whole deal is with that is I, I'm on the philosophical side. I think if you, if you need a quarterback and that is a major need, you, you've got to take it. And, uh, you know, now that we have Tannehill, if he, if he works out, you know, it's a moot point. But at the time, you know, you think Jack Long is a good player, but it's the positional thing. You know, we need the quarterback more than we need the left tackle. But looking at it in hindsight, you know, we've got the better player. It's just – it would have been the same to me as if we went into the 2012 draft and Ryan Tannehill sitting there, and then we decided to take David DeCastro at eight. Probably a better player at his position may end up being one of the best ones at his position. But do you take a great player over in a position of lesser value over a maybe not as good player at a more important position? I think that's where a lot of people are, are, are going with the discussion is better player versus, you know, more important position. So it's kind of it's kind of tough to argue there. But um, I, from what I've read, I think it was that uh, Parcells and company were trying to – I think they were banking on Flacco making it to the second round, and they were going to take him with that uh, – what ended up being the 32nd pick in that draft. And – and the uh, so they were going to use a high pick on the quarterback, and and then the Ravens kind of snatched that out from under us, and Henny was the fallback plan. I don't know how true that is, but that's what I've read. Um, kind of makes sense. Um, I could see that. 
I, I don't know. I don't know if they really were in love with Flacco, but could be. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. But um, one of the uh, topics that was brought up in the uh, live thread before the show was safeties and how our safeties have looked. Um, they are kind of – it is one of the top position battles on the team outside of quarterback, but it is kind of also one of the lost position battles because everybody's focused on the quarterback situation. Um, from what I've heard and from what I've seen, uh, it's clearly Rashad Jones starting on one side. Um Starting opposite him, it seems like it's Chris Clemens and Tyrone Culver uh, fighting for that other starting spot. Um, I think Jimmy Wilson is in the mix, but I think he needs some more development before they put him in there as the starter. I'm I'm high on Jimmy Wilson. I really think by the end of the year he is the starter, and I really like um, the potential he has. Um, I don't know if... Uh, if that's true, and I don't know if Culver or Clemens are playing well, what happens? But it, it'll be it'll be fun to watch during training camp. But I think that's where it stands: is it's Rashad Jones on one side, it's Chris Clemens and Tyrone Culver fighting for the other job. Um, don't know how you classify them. Um, had this discussion with somebody recently on the linebackers. Um, it it affects the safeties too. The Dolphins seem to not want to define positions. Um, the linebackers, they have not put weak side and strong side on Misi and Burnett. They're just playing them on either side of the middle linebacker in Carlos Danby, Carlos Dansby. Then on the safeties, they aren't calling – it free safety and strong safety. They just basically have a left safety and a right safety. And one play, they could be weak or uh, strong and free, and the next play, it could be free and strong. And it, yeah, it doesn't seem like they are uh, giving Rashad Jones the free safety role or the strong safety role. They're just giving him a safety position. But have you guys heard anything more about the safeties? No. Okay. I was succinct. (laughs) (laughs) I've probably read the same thing that you've read, you know, about that. You know, I've read that Coyle wants interchangeable safeties. He wants guys that can flip-flop either position, like you said. So um, I think he probably wants both safeties to be uh, capable of supporting in the run defense. Uh, but they also have to be able to, to cover a lot of ground uh, in the secondary. So, you know, and I think I think defenses are going to go more that these days since every since seems the league is going to be more of a passing league. They won't, you know, they don't want the old in the box extra linebacker type strong safety. They want basically two guys back there that can cover, and I think that's what Coyle wants. And so far, uh, Rashad Jones has uh, stood out more. Uh, than everyone else, and 
as far as Jimmy Wilson goes, I think once they're able to put on pads, start hitting, I think that's when his he's going to show up. You know, he was known as a hitter, uh, you know, a guy that likes to make plays like that in the secondary. So I think he'll, I think he'll start showing up. You know, once the pads come on. Yep. Yeah, I think that's it. I think Wilson is a bigger hitter. Um, what worries me about the safeties right now is Rashad Jones has a tendency to be the guy that goes for the big play. He's going to go after the ball, whether it puts him in a bad position or not. Um, that can be great if you get the turnovers, but he showed last year that he's not going to get the turnover every time, and he ends up getting beat a lot. Um, maybe the coaching staff has brought that out of him. Maybe he's getting his hands on the ball more often in uh, the preseason or the offseason workouts. Um, I don't know. I know Sean Smith has been getting interceptions in OTAs and mini camps. Again, not with the pads, so we'll see what happens when the pads come on. But I know Coyle, Coyle likes that type of cornerback and safety that can make a break on the ball and come down with the interception. And Jones has the instincts to make the break on the ball. It's just a matter of coming down with the interception now. As for Clemens and Culver, both of them have starting experience. Both of them have the capability to be a decent safety. Um, We'll just see if sitting out almost all of last year helps or hurts Clemens, or if Culver's ready to take the next step and become a regular starter. So it'll be interesting in the safety positions. And the deal with Clemens, as everyone said, is that he's more of a safe player. He's not going to give up a lot of big plays, but he's not going to make a big play. And, I, you know, that's that's fine. I think if Jones can be if Jones can be the, the playmaking safety, uh, then the other guy can, you know, as long as he does his job and doesn't get beat all the time, then that'll be fine. Uh, I mean, that's that's kind of how uh, – I mean, I, I don't even know who the other starting safety is across from Ed Reed. Uh, and I think that crazy dude that hates on the Dolphins is the other guy across from Paul Amalu. So those guys, they show up and play. They're not the big-name guys. So if Jones can be the big-name guy and make all the plays and let Clemens stay back there and do what he does, we'll be fine. Yeah, I think uh, across, across the board, the secondary is probably the concern of the defense, which – when you have Coyle as your defensive coordinator and the magic he's worked as a secondary coach in Cincinnati, I guess we we should trust that he's going to be able to pull the potential out of the uh out of the um secondary. Um and I think you're right. Uh Sean Smith he's gotta be able to come down with those balls more, but you're right, if he stays in position he stops the big plays. It seems like when he thinks we need a big play, I need to make that big play, is when he gets beat because he comes out of position to try to make the interception or he tries to work in a zone and he doesn't seem my, – my my perception of Sean Smith is that when he's in the zone, he he gets caught up between do I – cover the guy behind me or do I cover the guy in front of me? And he ends up somewhere in the middle in no man's land 
and the big play happens because of that. With the defense moving under Coyle to more of a man-to-man scheme, I think that'll help Smith a lot. Um, it could it could hurt Vontae a little bit. He seems to be very comfortable in the zone. I don't know if he'll be as comfortable in the man-to-man simply because Sean Smith has the size to beat up on a receiver. Vontae is more of your traditional lanky um, corner, so we'll see what happens. But I think you're right. Smith Smith can be a very, very good uh, cornerback. He just we, – we focus as fans on the big plays that have been let up. And of course, those are going to bother us. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens this year. Um, obviously, Smith is going into his contract year, so he's going to want to make a splash so he can get big money next year, either from the Dolphins or in free agency. So we'll see what happens there. But and I think Smith, you know, as you said, I think playing more physical is what's going to help him. He's you know, in the zone, you have to be able to react, see the play, and cut. And I don't know, he's he's athletic, but I don't know if his you know his size might hinder him a little bit of that, especially when you got maybe a smaller, faster receiver. Um, you put him in man to man against you know your number one type receivers that he can get physical with, use his size, bump them off the route. Uh, I think he's gonna he's gonna do very well on that. I also agree that Davis is more of a zone type corner, but uh, he's he's got the speed. He's not necessarily as tall, but he's build wise. I think I can't remember. He put up like twenty some reps at the combine, so he's got the physicality to be a good uh, to be a good corner. He just I think with him is he just needs to be able to you know focus on what he's doing. It seems to me that. There are games when he's locked in and you can't throw on him, and then there's other games where, you know, he gets beat all the time. So if he can stay focused, if they can each use their – if they can all bring it together, I guess, I think they have potential to be a devastating cornerback duo. Yeah, I think I think that you're right. The, these two, last, last year before the season, Vontae Davis was – running his mouth and saying that the Dolphins had the best cornerback duo in the game. And then they went out and were flat and looked horrible. And Vontae was cramping up and falling to the ground, and it just was ugly. But I think he was right on the sense that they do have the potential to be the best quarter, cornerback duo in the game. Will they get there? I don't know. But they have that potential. They could make it. So it'll be interesting this year with a um, secondary coach as the defensive coordinator if he can get that potential out of them and if they can make that turn into what their potential says they should be. But um, Yeah, and, and one thing that's going to help those guys is if our defensive line can generate a lot of pressure, that's, that's going to take it off of – that's going to take some pressure off of the cornerbacks and the safeties um, because if Wake, Vernon, Audric, whoever is getting to the quarterback, creating pressure, they're not going to have to stay in coverage as long, and it's going to make their job 
jobs easier. Um, I think I think the problem with them was some last year was that we just weren't generating enough pressure, and you can only cover for so long, and they were just getting beat because, you know, the quarterback was standing back there waiting and waiting. The guys got open and they threw the ball. So um, that's, that's going to be key. I hope they can step up and be better corners, but, you know, if our if our defensive line steps up and generates more pressure, that's going to help them even more. Yeah, our defense line is going to be, uh, yeah, another another uh, key. I think uh, I think we've got to get either Odrick or Vernon moving on the quarterback. Otherwise, the secondary can cover for so long before Brady just picks them apart or. Um, who else do we play this year? Uh, Schaub picks him apart. Let's see. Fitzpatrick, I'm not really all that worried about. Uh, Sanchez, um, Tebow might actually be the better passer on that team. Um, yeah, I said it. Uh, <laughs> but, um, guys, uh, you're listening to the Finsider Podcast. Give us a call, 347-326-9461. 347-326-9461. Join the show. You can also join us in the chat room over on Blog Talk Radio. You can join the live thread on Finsider.com. And you can tweet to us using the hashtag Finsider. Uh, talk about anything you guys want to talk about Dolphins-wise, and you guys can steer the show. So let us know what you want to talk about. Um, speaking of the defensive line and getting pressure. Wake obviously signed his new deal. So do you guys think that that adds more pressure to him to try to perform? Or do you think it makes it easier for him because now he's not worried about money? I think if you look at... Go ahead. Oh, sure. Now oh, you guys both want to talk at the same time. Go ahead, Duke. <laughs> I was going to say, given what how he got to the league, if he was, you know, some questionable first-round pick with work ethic issues, maybe. But given that he had to, I mean, he was out of football working as a like a mortgage set officer or something, played Canadian Football League, worked really hard to make it to the NFL. I think he understands what it takes to not only get here but stay here. And I don't think he knows, you know, Plus, given his age, I don't think he's going to sit back and say, yeah, I've made it, I have arrived, I can take off now. He just doesn't seem like that type of person to me. He seems like the kind of guy that wants to go out and prove that he's worth the contract, worth more than the contract, and play as hard as he possibly can every every snap. So I'm not worried about him um, sitting back and cutting that money now. James, you have anything to add? Did I lose James? We may have lost James. No, I'm back. Sorry. Oh, no, not a problem. What are your thoughts on Wake? Tech, I was having some technical difficulties. <laughs> um, my, my thoughts pretty much mirror uh, Duke's. I mean, I think the guy's a hard worker. I don't. I don't think. Uh, you know, at least I hope that he's not driven by money or or the idea of money in any any way, shape, or form. And he just he, you know he plays the game because he enjoys playing the game. You know there's there's, there's guys like him out there that, that you know play because they love the game, and I'm hoping he's just one of those guys. And 
he's going to play his heart out no matter how much money he's got. I think I think you're right. Uh, I think I don't think he's the hardest worker on the football team, just because I think Reggie Bush has that role. But I don't. I think it's like one and one A. Um. Yeah, I think Wake is going to want to go out there and prove that. Okay, I got my money. Now I'm going to show you why you should have paid me that much. So right. I, I think I think we'll see him do well. Um. And everybody gets wrapped up in his sacks total, but when you add in the number of holding penalties against him, the number of quarterback pressures, quarterback hits, all that fun kind of stuff, Wake is the best in the game. And um, they were doing it – I can't remember what show. It was on ESPN Radio the other day. I was just driving around and happened to hear it. Um, They were discussing – they were pairing up. Two people from within the AFC East. So they went with like um, Fitzpatrick versus whoever starts in Miami. And both of the hosts, it might have been Hill and Schlereth, but I'm not sure. But both of the hosts picked Fitzpatrick because they said, you have to go with the quarterback you know is going to start versus the guys that are fighting for the job amongst themselves. But then they went to pass rusher, who's the top guy in the AFC East. Is it Mario Williams or is it Cameron Wake? And both of the guys went, look, Mario Williams is great, but Cam Wake is a monster. And it was like, whoa, somebody actually recognizes this. So he he's starting to pick up notoriety with the people who are paid to watch the games. Now it's a matter of does he pick up the notoriety with the people that are paying to watch the games or watching them on TV the, stay, the sitting at home casual fan, or the fans of the Raiders, do they now know who Cam Wake is? So that's the next step for him. Get him back to the Pro Bowl, and uh, we'll see how it goes. And Slayers was, was an offensive lineman, so uh, yeah. he's a guy who had to block people like that. So I would, I would, I would trust the guy who's. You know, he, he actually did that. If he, was, if he was more worried about blocking Lake than Mario Williams, I would take his word for it. Right. Um, did and, you guys see – I saw it on – okay, go on. This sort of changes the subject, so go on. I was going to say, to give you an idea of, of, of what Cam – about the money thing in Cam Wake is when he signed with the Dolphins, even his first contract, it wasn't a huge contract by NFL standards, but it's a lot of money. He was still driving his – Old beat up nineteen ninety something Acura. That's right. I do that he remember had that. In college. So even though he had the money to go out and buy a decent vehicle, he was still driving the same old beater that he had had since college, because that's it reminded him of where he had been and what he wanted to achieve. So if he's willing to do if he's willing to do that, he's I'm not worried about him tanking plays or taking off plays or whatever. Yeah, that's that's. Great point. I forgot about that car, the car thing. You're right. Um, Do you guys see on? I guess it was on uh, MiamiDolphins.com that uh, um, the uh, walkthrough of the new training facility, how they remodeled it, that Cam Wake did. Did you see that video? I did not see that video actually. Okay. 
Well, the best part of it, the thing that I found the funniest of it, was they go into the – well, they're, it both was in the cafeteria. But the first one was he walks up to the line, and um, I can't remember who was with him. It was one of the Fensider guys. It was a former player, but I can't remember which one it is. Um, man, I wish I could remember. Somebody on the site will tell me in a second. But um, they were uh, walking in the cafeteria, and he goes, okay, so with the line this long and you being Cameron Wake, do you have to sit in the back of the line and wait, or do you just get to walk up and go wherever you want? He goes, well, I do this. Rookie, 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 rookie. Move. Veteran coming in. When you have a Pro Bowl, we'll talk. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> and then uh, and then they went over, and the uh, the quarterbacks are all eating together. And uh, Cameron Wake sits down with them, and he's like, so uh, what's going on over here? And he said some other comment, and Ryan Tannehill looks at him and goes, don't hate on us because you ate on us. And it was like, whoa, the rookie made a comment. It was great. But it was a good it was a good video. If you guys get a chance, I think it's on MiamiDolphins.com. It's one of those videos. But um we do have uh, a caller. We have uh Jerry wanted to talk about players with chances to make the roster. So Jerry, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing good, fellas. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks for calling in. What's on your mind? Yeah. Uh, there's two or three guys that uh, that was on my mind and going into camp that I want to get your guys' thoughts on. And I kind of see probably close to 50 50 to making it, maybe some a little higher and lower there. But uh, the first person uh, play that I was thinking on was uh, Edmund Gates. And, and I really don't think, I personally, uh, really don't know that he'll make the team. But of course, with the draft pick that we gave for him and the speed that he possesses, uh, it's going to make it a tough call for him. So uh, what's your guys' thoughts on his chances of making the team? Um, I'm going to I'm gonna post a depth chart tomorrow, and on it what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick – I'm going to build a depth chart based on the 53-man roster and then put yeah. bubble guys and guys that I see on the practice squad and everything. So I won't give away everything, but I – I agree that um, Gates is probably a bubble guy right now. I think if he makes the team, it's going to be mostly because he has that speed he can use in special teams because he doesn't seem to be picking up route running for some reason. And I don't know why that is, but he's got to develop that route running if he wants a solid position on the team as a wide receiver. Yeah, that's that's the one thing about it. I mean, I could see keeping the guy for, you know, uh, you know, just for the speed part of it. But every time, you know, like you have other players like Lamar Miller, uh, you know, there could possibly be a return guy there. And, and, and I just see other people being to take and do his role. He wasn't like, he was very tentative on the kick. You know, he was similar to Ginn, I guess. I think it's real similar with him, of course. There's a gaping hole. He's going to torch them, but it doesn't happen that way much. So I just don't, you know, I just don't really see, you know, I really just don't see where he fits in. But nonetheless, uh, you know, him and uh, the two other players that I wanted to see, and again, I know you don't want to give away your uh, column there tomorrow, but uh, 
with uh, John Jerry and Steve Slayton um, are interesting players to me. Um, I'm kind of been looking to see if you know maybe here in the next week or two would be when they might would want to pull uh, Jake Scott in. Uh, and you know I don't know what you may think about that, but John Jerry seems to be kind of overweight for what they want to do. You know, but then again, we have that investment in him, and, and, and it's kind of the same deal, uh, you know, with uh, Edmund Gates there. And then Slayton, uh, when he first when he come out of into the league there uh, with that dome blocking in Houston, uh, was really kind of uh, torching him a little bit. So he looked pretty good. So I was wondering what you might have thought about those two guys. Um, I'll give you a chance to answer this one, uh, Duke. Go ahead. Well. Um... As far as John Jerry goes, I think he's, you know, it appears from the OTAs and mini camps that he fell behind Artis Hicks. And if Artis Hicks is leaving for a starting job, you know, a guy who's not a great player, but, you know, he's, John Jerry's going to have to come into camp really in shape and really show out to earn it off his spot. I don't think they're going to even keep him as a backup. I think they want him to earn the starting job, and if he doesn't do it, he's gone, and they're going to bring in Jake Scott. I don't think Artis Hicks is going to be the starter to come day one. It's either going to be Jake Scott or John Jerry. As far as Steve Slayton goes, it, to me it depends on how Daniel Thomas does. Uh, Thomas, to me... Looks like he would work well in the zone, a one-cut, and head-up-the-field kind of guy. If Thomas struggles in camp, then I think Slayton's got a good chance to stay on the team. If Thomas shows up in camp and plays well, it depends how many backs they want to keep. But, I, you know, between Miller, Thomas, and Bush, I don't think they would need to uh, keep Slayton. So those all the guys that you mentioned are – Bubble guys, so yeah. And uh, it's, and I've got a post coming up soon about the wide receivers, and I agree. I think I think the the speed of of Gates is not it, it's a, a good asset for him to have, but I don't think it's going to be enough, especially if somebody like uh, Lekadu Nani or Julius Pruitt, who also have good speed, show up and play better at receiver than him. And you've got Lamar Miller who can handle kick return duties. Uh, you know, he, he may not make the roster. So, I think Jerry, that uh, your comment of Ted Ginn, I I worry about putting that label on Gates just because of the stigma that it has among Dolphin fans. But I, you may be dead on right. That may be exactly what he is. Yeah, I'm afraid that it is. I mean, that, that, you know, I mean, the guy's just so frail, man. And I mean, it's just, you know, I just don't uh, know that he's ever going to be developed, which kind of stinks, but that's the way it goes. Uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, you guys about, was, you know, and it's in, in regards to Tannehill, um, you know, I, I really see, you know, though the Dolphins and the organization and all the things that went down and what they uh, voiced publicly. Uh, about, you know, at the beginning of camp, there's a three-man race and all these things. I think, you know, the sight they put on that Ryan Tannehill was ever really, truly going to have an opportunity to start was just BS from the get-go, really. I mean, I really believe that. I mean, and you know, I don't know what you guys may think about it, but I, I really don't believe from the day they got and signed Gerard 
if they had any plans whatsoever about him uh, starting, I have a legitimate, you know, chance to start um, uh, at all. I mean, do you feel that way about that, or do you think that they don't know what? Um, I I think that he had a chance to start if he came in and just dominated. But I think the team would prefer Moore or Gerard to be the starter, at least at the beginning. So I think you're right to some degree. I think he had a chance to start, and maybe he still does if he goes into training camp and dominates. But we'll see We'll see how it goes in training camp. But I think you're right that Moore and Gerard definitely have a better chance to start. But to me, it's kind of like, you know, a lot of people make, you know, you hear this a lot, well, it's the speed of the game for Ryan Tannehill. Okay, but so, you know, in my mind, I make this analogy in my mind, it's like, okay, if we're going to go to Daytona and run and practice drafting and get used to the drafting like they do, you know, how better to do that than just let the guy go? And I understand that, you know, the pros and cons and, and those things, but to me, it kind of gets over, it just amazes me that, okay, it's the speed of the game. Now, you know, if we with a skill set that Tannehill has, you know, unless I'm missing something and very could easily be, uh, his skill set is above what Moore has to offer and Gerard. Um, the only thing, of course, he's given up his experience, and that's huge. I understand that. But, I mean, if it's just the speed of the game, because, if, if you you know, they always, that's what they always throw out there. It's, you know, it's the speed of the game for Ryan Tannehill. Okay, so... You know, uh, to me, I just, you know, I don't know sometimes. I mean, you know, had it been five, you know, I maybe say five years ago, and you drafted a quarterback with an eighth pick overall, and he didn't and he didn't really play, I mean, you'd probably be hung from a tree. But I, I understand these days that, as in the case of Jake Locker uh, at Tennessee there, that, you know, you got to give a little bit more for whoever. But, I mean, it's just... To me, it's 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 kind of uh, it's kind of amazing how you know that is a high pick to give, and and I just don't really think that you know I I don't know. To me, put him in there, let him you know get up to the speed. You know, again, that's what that's that's what bothers me about it. It's it's always the answer. It's the speed of the game. Besides that, he's a great guy. He'll be ready when he's called on, man. You know, but to me, so I, I just you know, I'm, am I missing something in that? Terminology, would you say? Um, no, you're not. It, it is the speed of the game for him. It's trying to get used to the fact that every day he's up against the, what, 64, 62 best cornerbacks and 62 best safeties in the world. So, hey, uh, Jerry, can you turn down however you're listening to us? We're getting a bad echo. Okay, one second, bro. I must have accidentally hit it. I'm sorry. I didn't have no, a, not a problem. Okay. Um, okay, yeah. We're. Uh, I, I think he. I think he has the potential. You're right. He has a. He has better potential. He has better skill set than more Gerard, most likely. But until he gets to the point where he understands that when he throws the ball, that cornerback has NFL speed, not. University of Nebraska speed or yeah. Texas Tech speed or something like that. Um, 
that that's part of it. Um, I also I also I, I know that the NFL has shifted to this: you draft a quarterback in the first round, you play him immediately. Role, but I just caution people because like Carson Palmer was the first overall pick and didn't start right away. Um, Dan Marino wasn't the starter in week one through five for the Dolphins when he was drafted. And I know that's a different era, but yeah. I mean, it, it, it hasn't always been you immediately start. So I, I will, uh, I will caution you on that, but Jerry, I'm going to go ahead and get you off the line. Cause I got a couple more callers calling in. So, uh, thank okay. you for calling. Um, I appreciate it. Yep. Talk to you uh, again next week. If you want to call back in next week. Oh, thanks, man. You have a good night. And we'll go straight to our second straight caller from the uh, Tennessee-Nashville area. Uh, Dolphin Fan for Life wants to talk to us. Hey, Dolphin Fan, how are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. Sorry for the uh, long hold there. Oh, it's all right. I was enjoying the show. So uh, you want to talk about the safeties. What about them? Um, well, first off, I wanted to see who really shined in, like, OTAs. And um, we have a seventh-round pick transitioning from cornerback to safety. I was wondering if he made any progress or if he shows promise. Um, but, like, who do you think our starting safety tandem is going to be? Um, you you missed the start of the show where we talked about all this, I guess. Um, Rashad Jones – seems to clearly have one of the starting roles. The other side seems to be between uh Chris Clemens and Tyrone Culver. Um I don't I don't have enough details to give you who is leading in that position right now. Um but one of those two of them I think week one is the starter. Um I have high hopes for Jimmy Wilson. Everything seems to say he's transitioning well. He's just not quite there yet. Um, I think that by the end of the year, he's probably the starter replacing Clemens or Culver, which I want to ever one of those two takes the starting role, but I, I I think he'll be there. I just don't think he's there yet. Cause I know he showed a lot of promise last year at the cornerback position and he seemed to be making a couple of interceptions. Um, from what I understood in preseason, I mean, not preseason, but um, OTAs. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up, like, as far as, like, the Ryan Tannehill discussion from mm-hmm. your last call. Right. I think a lot of it is the speed of the game, but I think what they're going to probably do is transition them in so that, and, like, in the third quarter, maybe give them some reps or something like that, you know, just to kind of, like, ease them in gradually. Um, because I think if they had any plans for him starting, we would have picked up a receiver in like the third or fourth round or did a little bit better than, you know, just signing Chad in the off season to give him a little more help. I think what got us on the wide receivers was um, Ireland said it in a comment and it didn't get much play. It got a little bit, but it didn't get much was that when they built their board, they had first round and second round drafted or uh, graded wide receivers, and then they didn't have anything again until fifth, sixth, seventh round. That there was just nothing that they graded in third and fourth round that they wanted to go after. 
And I think that's what bit us, that we sit there looking at it like, oh, my God, why aren't we taking a wide receiver? They're looking at it like there's just no wide receiver worth taking. And, yeah, yeah it kind of sucks now looking back at it that we have a sixth and seventh round wide receiver that we're trying to get onto the team. But I think it sets us up that next year we are looking wide receiver, that we filled our biggest role right now with corner or corner with quarterback, and we turn around next year and get the wide receiver. Yeah. But <laughs> we've got some re- we've got some potential at the wide receiver position. Yeah, step up. And maybe not necessarily become number one guys like Calvin Johnson or, or Larry Fitzgerald, but we've got some guys I think that can if they can step up will be very good players like uh, Roberto Wallace, Marlon Moore. Uh, I think Hartline can produce more than what he's doing. Um, so, so I think we've got a chance not to be a decent receiving core, not as bad as everyone else is making it out to be. Uh, but but right now it's all based on potential. So when you go in the training camp, from what we've seen, it's basically like we've got an old Chad Johnson and a couple of complimentary guys and nobody else. But I think by the end of the year, I think some of those guys will step up and we will be pleasantly surprised at how our receiving core turned out. I think Pruitt has a good chance of of being that guy to step up because, I mean, he pretty much has been the OTA champion, hasn't he? I, I completely agree with you. And one thing that he's got going for him was his playing special teams. If you go back and watch any of the games from last season or toward the end of last season and you watch punt coverage, the first person you see down the field was always Julius Pruitt. And he was always disrupting the play. It wasn't just like he was running down there. He wasn't making a tackle. He was getting a hand on the guy, slowing the returner down. He really, really helped our special teams last year. And I think that's giving him a leg up because he's not going for the second or third wide receiver spot. He's fighting for the fourth, fifth, or sixth spot. And that's a special teams guy. And if he can go out there on the field and – I think it was the last day of OTAs or whatever that he scored three touchdowns. If he can start playing stuff like that, I, I, you know, I think you can keep him over, you know, Clyde Gates or whoever. Yeah, I don't see Clyde Gates making the team. Um, I, I just, I mean, because he is really just like, unless if it's just to keep him so that Devon Best can stick to mainly wide receiver instead of returning punts as well. You know, I don't really see him making the team because I see Lamar Miller probably, when they're using Reggie Bush out, possibly putting him in the running back spot just so that they can move pieces around to make something work. But um, I don't see him making the team, but... Yeah, but I know you've got other callers and everything, so I'm not really going to take too much more time. Um, but I, this is the first time I've actually had a chance to listen to the show. And really interesting stuff. Well, glad you got a chance to listen. Make sure you uh, listen more often. <laughs> I, I will. I'll talk to work about giving me some time off. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with that. Time off from work is always a good thing. <laughs> but thanks for calling. Thanks. You have a good night.
You too. Well, uh, if you guys want to call in, the number is 347-326-9461. You can also ask questions in our chat room over on Blog Talk Radio. On Twitter, just use the hashtag PoundFinsider. Can't even say the name of the site now. PoundFinsider. That way uh, it'll pop up real quick. And you can also join us in the live thread on the site. And speaking of which, on there, Mr. Solo Dolo, who apparently has not been listening to the show very regularly, so I have to call him out for that. But he uh, brought up, who do you think, um, what big name guys out there can you see getting cut during training camps across the league that uh, the Dolphins could have a chance in, chance of signing? You got any ideas, uh, Duke? Well, I read something earlier this week that said that it was, I think it was on thinfanatic.com, that they proposed that Best could possibly be on the bubble. Um, however, by everything else that I've read about how he's performed in training camp or mini camps, that uh, he was one of the hardest people to cover. Uh, I, it would take something crazy for him not to make the team. I think probably the biggest name that's in trouble um would probably be Matt Moore if, you know, Tannehill's going in as the third guy right now. But if he outperforms Matt Moore and he and Garrard are the one, Tannehill and Garrard are the one, two guys, you know, I don't know that Matt Moore will want to stay around to be the third quarterback. And they might try to move him. I don't know that they will cut him, but they might try to move him, pick up an extra late-round pick or something for him. Um I think he or Cole Misi are probably the two biggest names that are that would be on the bubble. Everybody else are you know, are expected bubble guys. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. Um I think looking at around the league, um I think you could see you'll you'll see some wide receivers get cut from around the league. I don't know from where or what names. But you'll see somebody somewhere get cut that the Dolphins may have interest in. Um, I think that's where the main look will be. I think Jake Scott ends up coming down to Miami at some point. Um, I, I just I think the Dolphins end up signing him. Um, and then the other discussion, and Mr. Solo Dolo, who apparently doesn't listen to the show every week, um, asked. <laughs> the other thing he asked on there is Chris Chambers who I posted earlier this week. He's opening a uh, rehabilitation and training center in Miami. It's multiple sports. It's working with kids everywhere from eight years old all the way up to however old they want to be to go in there and work out. But at the same time, he's considering using the training center and all the medical staff and everything that he plans on having in his rehabilitation center to work on him getting back into football shape. And he's he's admitted that it would take a lot. He said he's 15 to 20 pounds overweight right now, that he'd have to lose that. Um, he'd have to see what the doctors say and all this kind of stuff, because he did have a hip injury uh, in 2010. He played through the season, but after the season they said, hey, that's serious and you gotta you got to shut down. So that's why he didn't play last year, or at least that's the reason he's saying that he didn't play last year. Um, I don't know if he has uh, anything left to give on a football field, but 
he is an interesting play because he wants to be in Miami. He loves being with the Dolphins. He went to the team and uh, toward the facility. He said it was strange being in there and not knowing anybody. Um, the whole facility being looking different and everything, but he would consider coming to the Dolphins if he has anything left. Um, it, he's probably more of a bust potential than Chad Johnson is right now. But at the same time, we're such a young team that having him in there and having his work ethic could be a good thing for the wide receiver core also. So I don't know how I feel. I think it would matter a lot of can he rehab, can he get going. But uh, it would be interesting to see. You guys have any thoughts on uh, Chris Chambers? I think they should resign him so he can retire as a Dolphin. I think that's probably if if he does not if he cannot play I think that happens. But yeah. I think I think we have some other ceremonies that have to happen uh, this week or this year. Also, though, things like a number fifty four and a number ninety nine, silly things like that. But we'll see. That ninety nine needs to get retired quickly. Yeah, they they do need to retire those. But. Yep. But, uh, and especially since now they're both retired, get the brothers-in-law and the heart of that defense to retired numbers together. That'd be great. Talk about a crazy halftime show. But Yeah. Um, I was just thinking I needed to look something up, and now I can't remember what it was. So I guess we're not going to talk about whatever it was. Well, I have something to talk about that sure. we haven't that I don't don't think we've talked about is and it goes back to uh Finhead's post uh the other day. Given the situation that Des Bryant has put himself in, do you think that his troubles and continuing to get in trouble has in a sense vindicated Jeff Ireland of that infamous question? I do. Um, I know the question and what his problems have been lately are not necessarily related directly, but I think the reason that that question came up is because the Dolphins were looking at paying multi-million dollars to this wide receiver, and he was probably really in consideration for being our draft pick. And when... um, you say that your dad was a pimp and that your mom worked for your dad. Just about anybody's going to go, was your mom a prostitute? And that's what happened in this situation. And, of course, it came out and Jeff Ireland looked like the bad guy and had to apologize and everything. And then here we are, and we've seen Des Bryant – get arrested for allegedly beating his mother, um, who in her 911 call said that she's tired of this, she's finally going to make it stop, and that Des has tried to kill her. Um, 
Uh, we've seen him get kicked out of a mall because he was wearing his pants too low. Security asked him to please pick or pull your pants up, and he wouldn't do it and got angry and started screaming at people. So they kicked him out of the mall, and he was banned from going back to that mall. Um, we've he was, seen he was him. also given a he was given a criminal trespass. I actually spoke directly in a, in a weird fate last year. The person that I bought my uh, son's car from was the head of security for that mall. Yeah, and he was given a, he was given a criminal trespass. He refused to leave, and the police had to come and remove him from the mall. Well, there you go. Look at that. Look at that yeah. insider information that we have for you here on the Finsider yes. Podcast. <laughs> um, he's been sued because he took jewelry that he never paid for. Sued multiple times by multiple people, I might yeah. add. Yep. So um, did the – does – the actions that have happened justify necessarily asking somebody if their mom is a prostitute directly just him walking in and Jeff Ireland going, hey, is your mom a prostitute? No. In the context that it happened, I understand why Jeff Ireland asked the question. The actions since he's been drafted and has proven that, hey, he's not worth the money the Dolphins were going to end up having to pay him. I, I think it vindicates Jeff Ireland to some degree. I have no problem with it. And I I didn't have – once the story came out of the – my dad was a pimp and my mom worked for him, I didn't really have a problem with the with the uh, question in the first place. But I was in the minority that I was wrong at that point. But um, I, listen, I listen to sports radio here in town every day, and the universal – take on him is the fans can't re- wait to get rid of him. Yeah, that's good. So, And the, these are fans that love Michael Irvin yep. and all the, the, the issues he had. They can't stand Des Bryant. And that's I think it's because he doesn't he doesn't put the effort forth on the field. Right. He'll make a spectacular play here and there, but he's not, uh, he's not a real dedicated guy to his craft. Right. And Whereas um, Michael Irvin was the consummate player. Jason Scott Sorry. writes on the Jason Scott writes on the thread. Uh, Dear Des Bryant, at some point maybe it isn't everybody else. Maybe it's you. It's a it's a valid point. Um, since we're talking about Miami sports stuff, um, maybe we could just ma- turn that Dear Des Bryant into Dear Heath Bell. At some point, maybe it isn't everyone else. Maybe it's you. Heath Bell uh, one day needs to learn that. It's not everybody else that keeps making him blow saves. It's him. But <laughs> we won't go into that anymore. Um, well, I know, uh, James, you're getting ready to have to walk out the door. Um, yes. So uh, I guess uh, we can just go ahead and call that a show for the night. We are I right can, at our hour I mark. the NASCAR segment. Oh. <laughs> NASCAR? <laughs> Yeah, last week we were going to have a NASCAR segment, and we missed it. We were? Uh, yes. <laughs> I thought that was a bad dream. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, thanks for calling in, everybody. Guys, thanks for uh, co-hosting again with me. Thank you. And um, I think James just literally walked out the door. <laughs> I did. <laughs> 
apparently your door needs a little WD-40. Yeah, that's not a sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys have a good night. Everybody else, make sure you tune in next week for the next Finsider podcast. Um, we're excited. We're going to have some special stuff next week on the show. So uh, thanks for listening, and you guys have a good week. Good night, guys. Good night, good night everyone. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hi, I'm Mark from Marinda Safeway. We offer great savings on groceries, but did you know we also offer savings at the pump? Earn 10 cents off per gallon when you spend $100 at Safeway stores. Enter your phone number or swipe your club card at the register and earn points. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Maximum gas reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon and $1 per gallon at Safeway stations in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com forward slash reward. This is Mark from Marinda Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.